0: Greetings everyone, welcome back for another edition of Killing the Church, a conversation with Bradley and Seamus. Brought to you by Alternate Media. Tonight we'll be discussing another issue that we believe to be killing the church, and uh, hopefully
1: shed some light on some controversial issues. As per the tradition, we like to sip a glass of whiskey and talk Bible. So, what do you be drinking tonight, sir?
0: I think I'm gonna go with the uh, the 18 year this time. The 18. Yeah. A uh, oh, I'm six. gonna go high high class.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Blue Label. I Love the That's aroma. Cool. Oh, Blue Label. Yeah. That's classy. Well, it's not, it's not an official <laughs> bottle, but it's still Blue Label. I mean, it's Blue
0: Label. It's just yeah, not the just big not, Blue
1: Label. It's not that $210 bottle of Blue Label. Um, unlike your Johnny Walker, mine doesn't have an age statement. Really? Yeah, it's, it's Blue Label. How? It doesn't say how old it is.
0: There's gotta be a standard, though. There's got... It's a blend. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. So you blue have... Label is a blend. had no idea okay i love the aroma of the 18 year
1: okay so this is very pretty
0: it's very light so it's got a light floral
1: almost would you say um earthy earthy okay Just kind of earthy and bright pretty it's very difficult to pin this one so i'm just gonna go right in yeah yeah extremely bright.
0: This is bright as well, actually.
1: Really? Usually I find that one to be warm.
0: I don't know. It it doesn't taste like a whiskey you would drink for the winter. Okay. It, that, that does very well for the springtime.
1: Yeah, super, um, very bright, very, almost sweet. Okay. Um, it's not as warm and welcoming, I think, as the 18 year. Like for me, the eighteen year just it goes down. It's very smooth. There's no yeah, very very smooth. And uh, the blue label, it's extremely. It's it's just very bright. It's um it's not as like warming.
0: This one does have a woodiness to it, and even I, in the flavor, there's there's a woodiness that tastes like a branch that was just broken off. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah I, I um I enjoy the woodier flavors. Yeah, and the 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 blue label doesn't really have that. Paired with a nice earthy cigar that. That, uh, that like one. a Sumatra blend, yeah, 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 that would be good. With a what, what would I put with this? You know, with this, like I would a have Nicaraguan to, Puro, that's that's really dark, usually. I like like a triple O, yeah. Hmm, this I think I would pair with a light, like Connecticut mm. cigar, um, only because it's it's just the only word I keep coming back to is bright, yeah. Is because that's really how this tastes. It sort of tastes like a drop of golden sun, <laughs> for lack of better words. Yeah, some some sunshine in the glass. Yeah, it's it's really it's not bad. Um, honestly, it, I'm just not sure that I want to pay $210 for that again. Personally, I would pay $210 for what you have. Really? Yep. But yeah, for now, I'm gonna say that uh, even I'm probably gonna even put the red breast over the blue label for now. Really? Because I, I think the Red Breast pulls off the brightness better than the Johnny Walker is right now.
0: Okay, so it's like more natural than the Red Breast. Right.
1: Like I said, if I want something bright, I go Irish. The
0: Red Breast is very bright. I love the It's Irish. Breast.
1: And so, usually I like my scotches to be a little bit more darker and deeper. Um, and you so, know what
0: it is, is the Red Breast actually is a little floral in its it flavor. It is. So that kind of, that probably adds to the oh, brightness. You
1: know why? What's my favorite cask? You know my favorite cask. Sherry. Um, toasted oak and sherry. <laughs> that's why I like <laughs> It's right there. Go figure. So uh, fruits and spice and toasted oak and sherry. So that's that's definitely why. How about it? I like the Red Breast is just a top shelf. Definitely for sure. Um, so yeah, be- mostly because for the price... And the taste, I think it tastes similar to the Blue the, the Blue Label, but I think Redbreast pulls it off better, and it's half the price. Nice. So I'm going to put Redbreast as my number two, over the Johnny Walker for now. But that's gotcha. personally. Um, okay, so um, let's get into we'll uh, say whiskey nice review yeah. out of the way. Yeah, we'll, let's, uh, <laughs> see, let's dive in.
0: Um, obviously, Easter Sunday is coming up, and you know the age-old question of you know, well, is Easter mentioned in the Bible? And uh, as it turns out, in one translation,
1: it is one time exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's go in the Bible where we see Easter for the first time and the only time. Um, so where is that? That's
0: that would be uh, Acts 12, uh, verse four. Yep, I thought it was in 12. Yep. And in the King James version, okay, it says, and when he had apprehended him. He put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions. Wow, <laughs> that's a big. Word that's a you. big
1: weird word.
0: Uh, <laughs> to four quatern quaternions of soldiers to keep him. That's a lot of soldiers to keep one guy. Four squads is basically <laughs> what I have. That's that's a platoon. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's more an than entire t- platoon
1: for one dude. It's a platoon reinforced,
0: wow. actually. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Okay, so, we, we've got an actual mention of Easter here, uh, in the King James Version specifically, Well, what does what yours say?
1: Uh, sure, yeah, so, um, after the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned him four squads, uh, of four soldiers each to guard him. Actually, so, four squads of four soldiers, so that's just, uh, that's one squad. Okay. Uh, a, uh it says a squad of four soldiers, that's a fire team so okay um so not as many as we thought so it's just yeah it's just one squad of people um so not 56 instead (laughs) which (laughs) is a lot but uh intending to bring him out to the people after the passover is what i'm reading from a holman uh, csb christian standard bible okay
0: so the king james says easter uh, there's a very popular belief that the King James is the most accurate, so um, Easter being mentioned
1: there's interesting. Um,
0: is, yeah it, it's uh, it, it's the only time really that Easter would be mentioned uh, in the entire Bible. So uh, by by this point in Christian history, um, were, were the Christians now celebrating Easter? Uh, rather than passover or did they just call passover easter
1: or so uh, the the first question i think is which is the correct word to put there yeah and so the holman has taken the step to go ahead and put passover the KJV has easter so which is it well let's go back to the greek
0: okay uh, what's what you know what's our greek word there i have a greek (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, here We're we go. you bringing out the big book. Uh, Acts
1: 12, you say? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, Acts 12, verse 4. Four quaternions, yeah, of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover. So I have uh, To-Pasca. Pasca. To-Pasca. To pasca. And that's uh, Strong's number 3957. Okay,
0: three, nine, five, seven, Pascha. That sounds obviously a lot like the Hebrew term Pesach, which is Passover in Hebrew. Um, So I think think we can probably conclude, actually, that the KJV probably got this wrong uh, in this instance. Um, And uh, that may not have been intentional, but uh, all the same, it is incorrect. I I know that uh, even Andy Stanley in his book... Is it irresistible? Yeah, irresistible. I have not yet read it. Uh, I've, I've read through it, and he actually does make an argument to justify that pasca is just the Greek word for Easter. Hmm. But as we can clearly see, it's it's more than likely a uh, transliteration, not even a translation. It's, it's a, a Greek word that was formed specifically to sound like its Hebrew counterpart.
1: 3957, um, Pascha, um, the Passover, the Passover supper, or the Lamb Passover, translated as Passover 29 times. It actually, uh, in the Strong's word concordance, it doesn't even have Easter as an option.
0: Wow, okay. Um, so definitely not Easter then. The KJV certainly got it wrong.
1: Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, so
0: Passover would be correct, Easter would be incorrect.
1: So why then does it say Easter.
0: I think probably to to further sustain the idea that uh, Christians at this point were celebrating Easter. That's that's certainly uh, a thought. You know, Christians today celebrate Easter, and so certainly we would want to have evidence of uh, of them celebrating it in in scripture. And so I, I think you know there's a a good agenda, if you can call it a good agenda. There's an agenda, but it it was with good intention probably. Um, more or less, because Christians do celebrate Easter today, um, obviously surrounding the events of the crucifixion, which would have taken place on Passover. So they are close enough in their relation, um, but
1: all the same, the word there actually is for Passover. So we can get into later on about why it says Easter instead of Passover. But uh, let's go with the Christian Standard Version. So let's talk about what Passover is. Okay. I think it's a, it's, it's Passover is coming up. It's the season for it. Um, and unfortunately, uh, most of Christendom is not very well informed on the Passover as a whole. So yeah. I think we could use this time to kind of do a brief overview of it. Yeah, for... that'd,
0: that'd probably be a good idea. There are organizations that do try and uh, introduce Christianity to it. Actually, one of the local churches here does hold... They uh, they have Jews for Jesus come and, and do, a uh, Passover. Do, a, do a Passover interesting uh, at the church every every year. Um, so uh, I'm not sure with COVID 19 being a thing if that's going to happen. Probably but, not. Uh, likely not. <laughs> but uh, they they have in the, in the previous years. Um, but I, I do think uh, I think we can give it a shot.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure. We're just going to go do a brief overview of like a Seder and yeah. um, and why it's important for believers uh, yeah, to know at least a little bit about.
0: Well, it, you know, if it's important for believers, then then why so? Uh, but I think first probably, you know, what is the Passover? Why is it held? What's the reason for it? Um which obviously that harkens back to the Exodus story. Most most Christians are at least familiar enough with the Passover to understand that it's something that has to do with Exodus,
1: at the very <laughs> least, because um, that's why it was called Passover. Um, but yeah, um, okay. So where should we start? Um,
0: hmm. What do you think a good place to start with the Passover is? What's what, what's probably the 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 building block on which to begin educating people
1: personally my my favorite place to go when talking about Passover um, to someone not really familiar with it is the four cups that's usually my okay. starting point yeah because um, I think to a believer that's gonna hold the most weight uh, yes. as far as informationally if I only had to have one conversation with them about it that would be the conversation I would have and,
0: and well you know prophetic relevance too that's uh, yeah, that's that, all. There's found so there much. With those
1: four. There is so much going on with the four cups, and most people don't even know that there are four cups. And so, just in that and of itself, is um, just a wealth of information is to be had there. So, okay. I. Okay. So we can start there. I think would be a good. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, first cup. Go. Okay. The first cup. Um, well, the the first cup is uh, just the the kiddush cup. Um, kaddish meaning to sanctify. So it's the, the cup of the sanctification. As it begins the ceremony. Yeah. Um it just makes the the day holy. You're setting the day apart. You are recognizing the holiday um at this point. This is when it begins. Right. So that's that that first cup is just the cup of sanctification. Um so that one's that one's really basic. Uh usually like in a sabbath day ceremony you have a cup of sanctification you have kiddush friday night right at, at the beginning of every holiday there is a cup of sanctification it's what makes it a holiday yes um but the cup of the second cup the cup of the deliverance is one of my favorites
0: i think as far as the the cup of deliverance if that's a personal favorite of yours that's definitely something i, I think you could elaborate on why is it your
1: favorite Well, the cup of deliverance comes from uh, the passage in Exodus when when God says to the Israelites that I will deliver you. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so it's kind of like the first cup of of the start of the Passover story. Um, It's the promise of deliverance, of being pulled out of bondage of Egypt. I believe it's like Exodus chapter 6 is when he makes this, declaration Um, and so this cup is a commemoration of that Mm -hmm. the reason i like this cup the cup of deliverance is that you see this cup in action at the lord's supper which is in luke chapter 22 um, starting in uh, verse 14 the second cup yes Hmm. Um, so that the first cup is a given yes It's, it's already talked about but you do have the second cup and that's the one you have just before you start eating and, and we'll get to the significance of that in a little bit. Um, but uh, when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him, and then he said, uh, I have fervently desired, desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Um, just to say real quickly, this means that in the end of age, we'll be celebrating Passover with the master um, one day. But he... He took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves for I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. All right, and then he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. Um, and so a lot of the scholars believe that that first cup, that the, the Kiddush cup, is, is, it goes without being said. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually you say that and it kind of just starts the holiday but the start of the Passover Seder really begins with the second cup and then you tell the story then you break the bread and then you have your last two cups after the meal. Okay. Um, that, now this this topic is usually debated about whether or not this was a, he was talking about the third cup or the second cup um, because the Seder that we have today although very similar we don't have an exact idea of how the Seder went exactly in his time. And so, but we do know that there were four cups, we're just not entirely certain of the order. Okay. Um, but I can say with a lot of confidence that the, the Jewish people in their scriptures and in their writings and in record of history, that they've maintained a very good, um, they have done very well in maintaining the traditions that have been passed down. And so you can say with a lot of certainty that, this, that the Seder that we have today is extremely similar to the Seder that they were practicing back then. Now, again, historians will tell you that you can't say that with absolute certainty, but I'm inclined to believe that you can say that with quite a bit of certainty. Gotcha. Um, So, but there are differing beliefs on whether or not it was the second or third cup. I am of the opinion it was the second cup. Okay. Um, And I will get to why in a little bit, um, but basically the fourth cup happens during uh, the Hallel, when they sing hymns, and Later on, we sing that we, we, see, we hear them do the singing of the hymns. And, and it doesn't say that they drank wine after that, but that's when you would have the fourth cup, is after Hallel. After the Hallel. And okay. so we have a record of him doing Hallel, and so it would go without being said that you would end the Seder with the last cup. The last glass. Right. And so I, I am of the belief that this is the second cup. Okay. okay. All right, so the first Tracking. one first one goes without being said, last one goes without being said, more or less. Um, and so take this, uh, tell you I will not drink of it um, until... The kingdom of God comes. And then uh, he goes on. He broke the bread. And then in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, right after eating. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood. So he gives thanks. He talks about this cup. And he makes a vow here. The master is making a vow, basically a Nazarite vow. On the cup of deliverance yeah in the same way that God to the Jewish people to Israel said I will deliver you right that's sort of God making a vow Um, so here we have the master uh, following the same pattern so I think that that for one is really cool
0: Um, essentially um, promising not to drink uh, the fruit of the vine again until the deliverance itself is full
1: right until until the day of deliverance so he's making a declaration um like a Nazarite vow and the ending of that vow is when the kingdom comes so it, it is a promise that the kingdom will come and then he will partake again okay okay so we await the we await the day for him to pronounce the the final blessing over the last cup of wine while we all sit at the table
0: we're waiting for that real fourth cup right <laughs> that's that's actually fascinating it's a, that hits hard
1: when you think about it yeah it, there's a lot of spiritual significance in that yeah and I just told you about the, you know the second cup um, which you which you know uh, and you also know, I'm sure are aware of the third cup we will get into the Afikomen in a little bit he uh, it says here after that cup he breaks some bread uh, and there's so this is my body broken for you and right so we'll skip past that for a minute we and, will come back to that yeah Hit the pause um, button on that as we're talking about the cups for now but yeah. that is significant we will get there and that's a part of the seder uh, and so then he takes another cup after the meal and traditionally in the seder you have the third cup after you've eaten and then he says this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you this cup traditionally is called the cup of redemption based on the the statement of god God will redeem you with outstretched arm. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Right. And so that's, where they, that's how they called it that cup. And then here over the cup of redemption, he is saying, this is my blood poured out for you. Right? So he pays a price for us to redeem us. Redeem us. Over the cup of redemption, he makes this declaration that this is his blood. And so... Um, i think that again is fascinating it's
0: yeah the, the parallel there being that the you know the blood of the firstborn of egypt that was the price it took to redeem the children of israel and give them their liberty from egypt and likewise you know uh, we see in this that the price for our liberty from ourselves <laughs> was at, at the cost of innocent blood
1: at the firstborn of the firstborn yeah. the true firstborn in order to redeem us and so it's it's by the blood of the Master Yeshua our Messiah by his blood we are redeemed right so yeah so a lot of symbolism in that cup actually right so there's a lot going on so that's the cup of the new covenant it's the cup of redemption and uh, likewise even in ancient Egypt when um, when he was making that declaration he was creating a covenant so uh, there's a lot of parallels between the word redemption and making a covenant because you're essentially buying Mm -hmm. at a price and so um, but the covenant does come a little later with God. He says, uh, I will be your God and you will be my people. That is the official declaration of the covenant. Yeah. But it does start here. <clears throat> uh, and then, um, so they, they have some, uh, I believe it's in Mark and it's not actually here. Um, but, uh, they say that he, they sang hymns after all this, they have the discussion about who's going to do the betrayal and then they sing some hymns and then they leave. Now, that's the the hal- the halal part and then after that you have the fourth and final cup and that cup that cup is called the cup of restoration usually, usually. Yeah, once again the cup of the the covenant right uh, i will be a god to you um, i will restore for you uh, a pe- as a people in my name coming back from exodus um, and the redemption for us you know we have yet to see happen but after the redemption it will come the millennial era and then we will all sing hymns so to speak uh and and everything will be fully restored a new heaven a new earth so there's a lot of parallels happening here. an entire new reality <laughs> as as it was in the beginning right you know? um and all that story can be told in just four cups fascinating very fascinating so, i yes. love the seder. <laughs> so yeah there's I, I well
0: the seder, the seder is important obviously it was important enough for jesus to go over with his own disciples uh, and and he says you know do this in remembrance of me so I, I think it's it's something important uh, for believers to at least uh, remember you know, obviously if not for the symbolism in the cups which we've seen you know there were there were multiple of. Um, but uh, i I think going back to the
1: Afikomen... right you know, I was gonna hope uh, so uh, it's your turn to talk <laughs> um, so uh you're you're a little better at the Afikomen than I am so uh, go ahead and- uh, the
0: the officomen the portion is actually, it's extremely important because it tells us one, one very uh, deep clue about what day it is um, pertaining to the actual Passover itself. Right. It tells us that this is not actually the night of Passover. That's because there's no lamb present. There's no lamb present. Okay, he breaks the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. Now there are Three matzahs, uh, likewise there are, there are you know, um, there are four cups, there are three matzahs that are eaten on the night of Passover. Um, the middle matzah is the one that is, uh, it's called the afikomen, uh, translated loosely it means dessert, or that which comes after. Okay.
1: Interesting, right. Yeah.
0: So, the afikomen is broken, first of all, uh, and then it is actually hidden part of it for uh, the children to go and search for, and then, the you know, the children, the one who finds it brings it back to the, the whoever happens to be uh, officiating the ceremony, and then, you know, they have to bargain for it back, and then sometimes it can be a pretty hefty price. It's supposed to be whatever the child demands, right? So, you know, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, what have you. Um, but it's it's to instill this idea that this is a precious thing, because this uh, piece of bread ultimately does represent uh, redemption in in some fashion, however, it doesn't necessarily represent the the sacrifice the same way that the sacrificial lamb would okay right uh, so if if Jesus, Jesus the being lamb. the perfect lamb of God, right you know slain before the foundation of the earth, you know he's the lamb who was sacrificed for our passover, uh, so why is he not using lamb here as 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 his symbolic effigy. (laughs) That's a lot of big words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, uh, it stands out. It stands out that he's not using it. He's using the Afikomen. Um, And while the Afikomen definitely has the symbolism there, it's not a one-to-one equivalent... To the lamb. To the lamb, per se, unless it is not the night of the actual Passover, uh, or if lamb is not available. Uh, When lamb is not available for any reason... uh, in the modern age, uh, it's not available because there's no temple for us to sacrifice the lamb in. And so Jews today do not use lamb, or some don't even eat lamb, as part of the meal.
1: Right, to, because, to keep the uh, the lamb sacrifice sanctified yes, in its own right. Yes,
0: because if there's going to be lamb at the table on Passover, mm-hmm. it should have been because it was sacrificed. Right. Okay. So they won't even do that. Um, but the Talmudic tractate, Pesachim 119b, actually does dictate that in the absence of lamb... The afikomen can serve as the lamb
1: that's brass so that is a uh, a ruling that's already been made yes um, around the same time that the, the master was alive yes um, and so he you know he in keeping
0: with a judaic talmudic tradition him being a rabbi him being a rabbi <laughs> himself keeping with a talmudic jewish tradition is using the afikomen in place of lamb because likely he was holding this seder the night before the actual passover with his disciples Right. is customary to do in that time. You hold kind of a mock Seder the night before, teach your disciples how to do it so that they can go home and do it with their own families and then go on to teach their
1: own disciples how to do it. So the, uh, so you would have it with your disciples the night before. The night before. Then they would have it, the actual uh, Passover Seder, with their families. On the actual night of. On the night of, okay. Yes, yes. So It also makes sense because if, 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 uh, if the Master is going to be offered up at the time of passover well then this couldn't be on the day of passover because the next day he, he dies yes um so he so that makes sense it just the congruency yes makes sense yes, yes. he would have been so he would have he would have died uh the day of preparation of passover you know uh, and and, as passover and... drew on as the offerings were being offered up on the altar then and Jesus would and die by towards the, the end of the day.
0: By the time he was put in the grave, everybody was able to go home and celebrate the Passover. Hmm. Uh, I think it's John. I may be mistaken. One of the Gospels makes mention of the fact that they were in a hurry to get him buried yeah. so that they could go and celebrate the Passover. So I guess I would definitely say there is relevance for you know, a Passover celebration in any believer's life, be a Jewish or Christian. You know, uh, if, if Christians follow Jesus and Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, well, certainly there's so much about the Passover Seder that is commemorative of, you know, the Messiah and, and who he was and what his mission was. It,
1: it's interesting you brought up the uh, do this in remembrance of me. Um, and so we have the idea of at least two cups that are written about um, that we can see are in the scriptures. We know that there are four. Um, so the do this in remembrance of me, this is... The Passover Seder we're talking about.
0: Yes, it's not, uh, not, not the communion, right? The, uh, the one that
1: we know of today, usually. Yeah.
0: You, you, the, the idea behind the communion, I believe, to be just a, uh, a misunderstanding of the fact that there are more than one glass or cup of wine mentioned in the passage, uh, and so you know the
1: idea of do this in remembrance of me. People take to be the wine and the bread, and I think it. A lot of times, it's just. It's, you know, And there's something to that uh, because every week on the Sabbath day, uh, as the sun goes down, you usually have wine, wine and, and bread, bread, which is a, 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 an ancient tradition um, in Judaism. And so it, it would make sense to uh, an outsider looking in see a bunch of practicing Jews constantly doing wine and bread every week uh, on their day of worship, which was Saturday, or Friday night going on into Saturday. And then we hear the story of the death of the Master uh, Yeshua, the Messiah. Uh, and then the will do this in remembrance of me. And so uh, from a, a Western mindset point of view, I can see why you would draw the conclusion that that means to do communion every, every week. Absolutely. Um, but in a Jewish mind, it's like, well, we do that every week anyway. Yeah. Um, but the Seder itself is special because he is the Messiah. You know? Absolutely. And the Seder tells his story. Uh, so to do that in remembrance of him. I think it, it, it holds more weight. When you understand it, uh, absolutely better, absolutely. In my humble opinion,
0: yeah. Uh, so, going back to the original verse that we read from the KJV, this raises an inherent question of Easter. Where does that fit in?
1: So, I'm glad we're getting there. <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're where do we, if, if the Passover Seder is such a beautiful illustration of the master's life and his sacrifice and uh, what he's done for us and our and our souls um, for our for the sake of our souls where does this whole easter thing why, what what is it with the bunnies and the eggs i uh... <laughs> 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 the the bunnies and the eggs is not it's not an inherently
0: Christian tradition. No, That's uh, much more secular. I but... think most uh,
1: Christians would agree anyway, but it's still funny um, to bring up. It is. <laughs> it's,
0: it's comical. Uh, but uh, no, so you know we we, we gave Passover a, a quick run over. I, I say, in all fairness, let's do the same with Easter. So you know, when really does the Easter season start? Uh, would you say spring? Spring. It, it, Ash Wednesday. I would probably oh, say okay. You know that's because that because that's when your that's that's when your period of Lent starts traditionally speaking. You leading know, up to leading up to Easter. Yeah. Yeah. I, not not every Christian observes Ash Wednesday uh, more or a, or Lent. More of a Catholic, Catholic thing. Yeah. It is. It's one of the older Christian traditions. Really. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Christians today don't do it because you don't find it in the Bible. That's not, not. strictly speaking true. You do find it in the Bible. It's just not in the context that. That you, you would think. think. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so because it's not found in the Bible, a lot of, um, I, I would say, Reformed uh, Christians probably don't observe Ash Wednesday or or the uh, 40 days of Lent.
1: But yeah, but um, you could say for the majority of history, about 1,800 years of Christian history, Ash Wednesday was a huge thing. Ash, Ash Wednesday happened. You know, you go,
0: and uh, I guess in a sign of mourning for your sin... You know, you, you go and you get the, the, the sign of the cross, the sign of the cross and ashes uh, put on your, your forehead, and then the uh, the weeks the, the forty days of, of Lent starts. And uh, I, as I understand it today, um, people fast from any number of things. They'll you know they'll go without TB for forty days or, or beer like that or, or beer. Yeah, they usually uh, pick one thing. Traditionally, I believe it was meat. I think meat is what was abstained from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, traditionally on, on Lent. Your, your 40 days of Lent, you were to abstain from eating meat. Um, hmm. It's kind of an all-vegan like, diet for like red diet.
1: meat, or because fish don't count. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, I think I think
0: <laughs> I think fish you can do on on Lent traditionally. Uh, I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church, so I'm not well versed in it per I, se. But. I grew
1: up as an Irish Catholic, but that we. Being, being Irish and being Catholic is like saying I'm an American Christian. It really doesn't hold a lot of weight. <laughs> um, I'm extremely familiar with a lot of the things, but the finer details, usually like uh, the, the whole eating meat thing, I couldn't honestly tell you. We just used to pick one thing, and that would be the thing that we fasted from. And then on, uh, on Fridays, you would abstain from meat. Usually. Okay, Red so, meat.
0: So Friday, specifically, uh, yes. you would abstain from red meat. Okay, okay so that, that actually does make sense either way. Um, yeah if if I am completely mistaken, somebody please correct me but uh <laughs> leave uh, it in the comments yeah leave it in the comments <laughs> and, and we'll we'll absolutely address it. Yes, My it. understanding <laughs> is that for forty days you were to abstain from eating uh red meat and uh then on on Easter, okay the churches gather together uh somewhere outside is is now a common tradition. You can gather somewhere outside uh before the sun rises. So that you can start the service at sunrise, uh, and this is this is to commemorate uh, Jesus rising, rising from the, from the grave, grave right. at sunrise. Um, and then, uh, it's one of the lesser-known traditions. Um, a lot of people do it, and they don't understand that it actually goes back as far as it does. Uh, but then, you know, then they would have Easter ham uh, as a meal right. for for lunch after that. A lot of people will do it, and they think, "Well, that's just because that's the cheapest, easiest big meal that you can yeah. you can make."
1: In Ireland, uh, you just eat ham all the time. Yeah, because it, it is cheap.
0: It is a, it is a cheap big hunk of meat that you can eat, and you just you just came off of a red meat fast, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, but the, the the tradition actually does go back a little farther than just modern day America. Um, Easter ham actually is is. A legitimate uh, documented tradition on Easter and the the origins of that are a little a little darker a little dicey it's it's a little dicey when you when you get into the the actual etymology of Easter and how it made its way into Christianity first of all you know it it made its way into Christianity at the Council of Nicaea in 325 Constantine um, pretty much established uh, in his statement I'm paraphrasing but in not s- not so many words um, he he dictated that the church would now observe uh, Christ's resurrection on the I don't want to quote this wrong the first Sunday following the full moon of March yes okay so that would be that would be the, after the equinox the spring equinox right okay um
1: in fact, and, it may even use the words being like equinox" instead of March. I think uh, yeah, the I, Julian calendar wasn't yet yet a thing. I don't, I, I don't believe. I think the documents on that yeah. by Eusebius does actually use Igrinox. yeah. Because then you have Pope Gregory the Third come in and change it to the Gregorian calendar. Yes. So, um, where March became the third month instead of the first month. So there's
0: in Constantine's own words that was that decision was rendered specifically so that they would not be, uh, following, in tradition with the detestable Jews. So there's a little bit of anti-Semitism behind the reasoning for uh, establishing Easter when it was established. Uh, in addition to that, the day that it happens to be held is coincidentally the exact same day that the Romans would celebrate uh, Chaibel and her lover, uh, Addis, who would be, if you follow pagan etymology, um, they would have been the Roman counterparts to... Uh, the ancient Babylonian and Sumerian um, Nimrod and Samiramis right okay so uh, that that actually that that I think plays a big part in in why Easter happens the way it does you it, it actually even goes into um, why Ash Wednesday happens and then uh, Lent happens after that uh, following up and, and concluding with Easter. And, uh, you know, let's actually, uh, let's, let's go there. Okay, <laughs> let's go there. Um, I'm ready. <laughs> let's go to uh, some of the, the mentions of, of uh, traditions or, or even hints at uh, Easter tradition or Easter in general. Easter, we pronounce it Easter in the ancient uh, languages. Uh, it, it could be pronounced Astarte, Ishtar, Asherah. Uh, Ostara in the old Germanic uh, tongues. Um, these are all different goddesses of different pantheons of different cultures, but uh, so, more more or less they're the same goddess. If you look them up, it's just it's like okay, so this country had this pantheon and this was the goddess of, of the, you know it's the same person, a different name. But in this culture, the exact same representative, and so it's right. the same person. It, you know what it is? It's in the Germanic languages. Odin was called Odin. In the English Isles, it was Wotan. Same god, right? Same pantheon. It's just a transliteration. Transliteration of, of the language. Easter,
1: uh, even though it was spelled Ishtar, it was still pronounced Easter. You would Easter, pronounce it Easter. And then Estarte uh, and, and Asherah. So you can hear the similarities, the difference of transliterations. Absolutely.
0: So. It's you know, she's the queen of heaven in, in these these ancient cults. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the one of the first mentions of it actually is in second kings twenty one uh verse seven I've got the king james here is and he set a graven image of the grove that he made in the house of the Lord uh, of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Out of all tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. Okay, so that actually doesn't mention Asherah.
1: Uh, what does yours say there? So, yeah, mine means differently. Uh, Manasseh set up the carved image of Asherah, which he made in the temple that the Lord had spoken about to David and his son Solomon. I will establish my name and towards the rest of his name. But, yeah, okay, so, so in my translation, it does say Asherah.
0: Here it says the grove. Um, I believe there actually, uh, if you were to look at the Strong's, you'd
1: probably find that the actual word there is Asherah. Um, I can confirm that. Mm-hmm. I have previously looked that up. Uh, the, the Hebrew it does say Asherah. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So the Homan actually is a better representation of the of the wording. Wow. Okay. Here. So, uh,
0: you know, again, King James not necessarily uh, translating it as adequately as it could In- be. translated. Intellectually,
1: honestly, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know. I think Asherahs. There's another example I can think of. Uh 1 Kings 1415. First Kings 1415. Let's see what yours says. Let me get there first.
0: But in in either case, you know, we, we see that an idol of some sort was put up in the temple of, of Asherah. Right. Uh, so first Kings 14, 15. For the the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water and he shall root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers and shall scatter them beyond the river because they have made their groves provoking the Lord to anger.
1: Okay, so Uh, he will scatter them beyond the Euphrates because they made their Asherah poles angering the Lord. So that's rather... Again, uh, wow. It, honestly, so it almost it seems intentional at this point. That's. I honestly thought that they would still render that one as Asherah.
0: I, you know, yeah. So you know, you you hear the KJB is the most accurate word for word translation, <laughs> but it's like, well, 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 well,
1: <laughs> we'll That's I've, that's for another video. Yeah, right? we'll we'll do another
0: video <laughs> on that
1: one for sure. Um, I will write that one down as an idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh,
0: but okay, so you know we've we've got an example here. Now, how does this how does this all relate to Easter and, and Easter tradition? Okay, so yeah, we get it. The Israelites were falling into a little bit of idolatry. How does this pertain to Easter and Easter tradition? You know, how does this equate to the the days of Lent, Ash Wednesday, the um, the sunrise service, and Easter ham? Uh, well. That you really have to go way back into, um, way back into history. Babylonian, Babylonian history, mm-hmm. uh, kind of. So you know, uh, I mentioned earlier Nimrod. Nimrod is mentioned all of one time in the Bible. It's at the instance of the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that Babel is not necessarily the same as Babylon that is mentioned later, but it actually is. The, the, it, it's a timeline difference, but it's, it's like the difference between colonial America and the United States of America. It's,
1: it's, it's the same country. Same just, area. Just, yeah, same region. Um, operating under a different name at a different time. Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, so, you know, your, your Tower of Babel uh, period, uh, Nimrod was one of the first human beings to become a god. Or to perceive himself as a god anyway and, and subject uh, the humans under him to worship him as a god. Uh, he took for a wife... As as tradition goes, okay. So everything that I'm saying right now, you can you can fact check it if you want. What you're going to find is likely exactly what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> um, as the story goes, he took for a wife uh, a prostitute, somebody who was who was more of a loose woman but very appealing, uh, named Samiramis. Well, I guess she was re- renamed Samiramis. Um, and in in her lust for power, she had him killed, and uh, she had a son, possibly illegitimately not through him, <laughs> as her reputation goes, she named this son Tammuz. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tammuz went for a hunt, as the story goes, and on this hunt was killed by a, uh, boar. So, the whole kingdom at that point, um, in, in mourning, uh, went for a hunt for this boar, uh, a hunt that lasted 40 days. um, and when they finally uh, killed this boar, they had a big celebration. And when the sun rose the next day, they acknowledged that Tammuz had been reborn as the <clears> sun. <throat> as, as, as a new god, sun god. ruling over uh, humanity. So where we see these traditions in, um, in, in the Bible, actually, where we see Lent in the Bible... Uh, I believe is in Ezekiel, if I'm not wrong. Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel 8.
1: The uh, the temple abominations.
0: So, uh, Ezekiel 8, starting in verse 14, uh, probably going into the end of 16. Uh, I'll I'll read the KJV. We'll see if there's (laughs) more difference. (laughs) Buckle up. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. This period of weeping for Tammuz, if you look this up is going to be the forty days of Lent. They, they fall almost in in the exact same time slot. Um, this would have
1: been the period of the hunt. If I'm not mistaken, the uh, when you weep for Tammuz, you would usually cover your head in ashes, which is a sign of mourning in the ancient world.
0: Not just that you would cover your head in the ashes of the symbol. Uh, of, of the first the first letter of his name, the T. So you'd get
1: now just being the devil's advocate here. Surely they didn't have English, and so it wasn't a letter T like we know it. Not for time. Not
0: necessarily the same. It actually, so in 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 this culture, it actually might have looked more like a Maltese cross. It, it it wouldn't you know you wouldn't have the long end of the cross per se. It would kind of just be
1: so like the Phoenician alphabet letter tav. Yes, um, where it looks a little bit more like a cross, like yes. just an, an X. Yeah, okay. yeah, or an X. Um, it's rather interesting.
0: And start then again, starting in verse 15, Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshipped the sun toward the east. So, so a sunrise service. So they, they, they were having a sunrise service in the temple with their backs faced towards the temple. The actual temple. You know, the actual... they were They had quite literally turned their back on God to worship the sun. Interesting. That's that's quite literally what was happening in this in this scenario. Um, you know, we, we've got all the elements there. You've got the women weeping for Tammuz. Traditionally, if you look that up, what you're going to find is that it falls directly in line with the uh, the the 40 days of Lent mm-hmm. and the 40 days of hunting for the boar. Okay. Um, we see the men of the temple having a sunrise service. And as we know from the tradition, when the boar was finally killed or... The boar we don't know if it actually was but somebody killed a boar and uh presented it as the boar that had killed Tammuz and uh so they feasted on that on that day on Easter Sunday on on Easter Sunday ham was ham was was eaten (laughs) um so so we've, we've got all of those traditions and I you you can't really say it emphatically. There's there's nothing blatantly saying that Constantine specifically wanted Easter on this day with these traditions so that he could keep paganism around. But it's a little bit much of a coincidence.
1: I, I would even argue as so much to say. Um, uh, now Polycarp was not I don't believe alive during Constantine's time, but we in Polycarp's time. Uh, which is uh, shortly after the death of most of the disciples. Actually, uh, I believe uh, about 90 years after the death of the disciples. Fact check me and uh, rage in the comments if I'm wrong. Um, But Polycarp, uh, he had to advocate to keep the Passover instead of switching to Easter. So the switch was already being made about a hundred and some odd years after so we, it starts pretty early, and so we already have disciples. Polycarp was a disciple of John. Yes. And so he was, an advocate for, he was an advocate for keeping the Passover Seder because change was already beginning.
0: There, so there actually was, if you read the account of, of the Council of Nicaea and the whole reason the decision was made and why it had to be legally ratified is because there was already dissent from the Eastern Orthodox churches to maintain at least holding Easter on the same day that Passover was held for the Jews. Okay, so they, the Eastern Orthodox Church actually uh, tried very hard to maintain some kind of relationship with Semitic culture in keeping with the command to do this in remembrance of me. Right. right. You know? um, and uh, so, uh, again, the, 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 the little bit of anti-Semitism in Constantine's own words and the fact that it was a legal rendering made uh, so that effectively doing anything else would be outlawed, um, uh, it, it was intentional in some part. All, all, um, all of the, the elements of, of the pagan observance of what would have been Easter Sunday for the pagans, because uh, the reality is that particular day, the first Sunday after the equinox, has been observed by almost every culture in the world
1: it, as far back it, as history goes. It is a common pagan it's, thing to uh, keep it's the equinoxes and um, their own versions of... Uh, holidays. Um, but to your point, uh, to kind of more enforce that it, the the pagan intention was sort of meant to be kept, uh, St. Augustine is quoted with having said to not tear down any of the pagan temples and not to uh, press against the pagan rituals, but rather to incorporate them into Christian practice. And it, you can look it up. Um, I can't think of the exact um letter that he was writing but he was writing a letter to another man and he said these words exactly don't don't push against don't change it just incorporate it into christian um, so. and make it out to be for for christ so he was a very universalist inclusive um, and it was easier to convert the world if you didn't have to change too much and so he so i i can i can almost say with certainty that the idea is to to kind of intermingle to to
0: oh, well to establish almost exactly what we saw in Ezekiel, where the men are they're still in God's temple, right? You know they're turned they're turned they're, they're at the, the right place. Yeah. They're just incorporating other idol you know idolic uh, traditions,
1: right? And, and I know in the uh, book of Deuteronomy um, you can find all sorts of quotes of God saying, "Do not um, take on pagan practices and." Uh, don't act like the pagans do whatever that might mean but usually uh, you'll see verses that say uh, see what the pagans practice their rituals don't do any of them yeah don't 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 learn those ways and do not add to or take away from my commands Um, and so i I feel like the idea of adding easter as a holiday it's not it's not a problem to add a holiday much like the fourth of july is still a holiday yeah i don't think that's an issue Um, but to make it a biblical holiday sort of goes against the So you, you probably
0: you probably say that Passover is probably a little more important to be keeping even for a Christian.
1: I will go so far as to say that we should kill the church in this aspect. That we should be I mean why not keep Passover? It's a it's a more beautiful holiday. There's way more symbolism in it. It has no pagan origins and it was mandated by God. It's 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 God in the said Bible. to do it. And the Master Yeshua said to do it. The, the Messiah himself kept it. And so just out of the principle, why, why would we not also be like him and, and do the same things he did? Um, so whether or not you could say that Easter has pagan origins, which I, I think we can conclude safely here that yes, it does. Um, but whether or not you believe that that's okay to incorporate pagan tradition into your Christian lifestyle, um, why? Why? why would you bother the the Passover Seder is just infinitely better I mean it's God's idea and I feel like he's better at making ideas than we are absolutely (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's any argument it almost goes without being said but I mean that's that's sort of my argument from my perspective is why I mean why bother with anything else uh God's commandments are perfect
0: I I would I would probably add to that also the the idea of abstaining from the appearance of evil that you know we don't we don't really think of Easter as being evil, but we certainly think of idolatry as being evil um, so even the appearance of idolatry, which uh, you know uh, you're you're meeting and you know you're that, meeting before sunrise so that you can begin your service at sunrise
1: with the sun that's you're not to a, say that you can't have a morning service no not at all, but as at, I understand at, it. A, at
0: a certain point, you have to understand that that you know. Um, there are several other religions. If you live in a diverse enough city, there are several other religious groups
1: who are going to be doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. Sure. Sure. Facing the same. I think, I think to avoid facing that direction, uh, as the sunrise I, is probably safe. Absolutely. Um, just to avoid, but, uh, yeah, but if, you, the, if
0: you, if you want to have a sunrise service, by all means do it. Just, I, I would probably avoid facing the sun, which nobody <laughs> wants to do that anyway. That, that sounds <laughs> that hurts, <man>. terrible. <laughs> Um, now, if if this discussion in any way has affected anybody at home, uh, I I think you know if if you still if you still feel like you know well what do I do on that Sunday, you know is is there something I can do that's that's not inherently rooted in in paganism on that Sunday, uh, I, I would say probably first fruits. Uh, the, uh, the, yes, the feast the, of the first The feast fruits. of first fruits is 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 always. The day after the Sabbath that follows Passover. Right. So you have Passover, then you have the weekly Sabbath, and the very next day will be the uh, the Feast of Fruits. And almost every calendar year, that actually does fall on an Easter Sunday.
1: Usually. Usually. Just because of the way it's... Uh...
0: Very, very rarely will the days actually, uh, I, I think like three years ago, three or four years ago, um, but... Easter Easter was like a whole month after Passover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but to that point, um, essentially, so we know that Jesus rose again as Sunday began to draw on, at the very least. Absolutely. Which would be
0: at the very least, Saturday, sundown, Saturday night.
1: Saturday night, so as Sunday began to draw on. Yes. Um, that's why I say that, not Sunday morning, because it likely wasn't Sunday morning. If,
0: at the beginning of the first day of the week. Uh,
1: right. The Jews had a lunar calendar, so the day started at sundown. At sundown. So, uh, so yeah. At, so we know that uh, he, he rose again. Sometime during the first day of the week, yep. um, probably as the sun went down Saturday night, which means that he rose again on the day of first fruits. Absolutely. Which, in a, again, in and of itself, it just holds a much more powerful symbolism. Absolutely. He's, you know, he's the idea is he's the first
0: fruit from the grave. Right. You know, he's he's the first one with an absolutely redeemed body.
1: <laughs> and, then the, <laughs> and then you begin to count the omer. Mm-hmm all the way until Shavuot, I believe. Uh, yes, yes. The counting of the Omer,
0: that's that's something else I, I, that it holds a lot of significance, probably a discussion for another time.
1: Another video. But, In fact, we should shoot that video after the Omer. You know what? <laughs> as, I, I uh, think that's a good idea. As yeah. we come to close up the, oh, the 50 days of the Omer, we'll uh, have a Shavuot video. Absolutely. Um, so that'll be fun, I think. It's mm-hmm. a good idea. Um, but yeah, we can probably go ahead and uh, wrap things up.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is a good place to end this discussion. I, I think it's uh, I, I think we've presented a, a pretty decent amount of information on the subject, um, and and you know I, I I like to end on the the first fruits note because it's hopeful. Yeah. You know, it's I remember for me. Uh, doing my historical research on the subject, it's it's kind of depressing and almost insulting to find out that something that you held so dear for so long ha- is is you know that it's got that history. It, it you know yeah it's it's it, inside it feels dirty, but then like you grew up with it, and so it's like, well, how dare you? <laughs> and So uh, it's it's hopeful knowing that there actually is something in the Bible that actually does still pertain to that day. And so you don't you don't have to give up the day entirely, right? More or less, you just change
1: your focus. Uh, change your focus and make turn, it something biblical. Turn back towards the temple, so to speak.
0: Yes, uh, away from the sun and back to the back temple. On the sun. Yes. So,
1: th- th- yeah. Even then, that's a good that's a good point. So, yeah. In, in summary, uh, Passover is beautiful. Easter is weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> whiskey is good. God is good. Uh, <laughs> and first fruits
0: is also good. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think you summed it up well, and uh, I'll raise a glass to that. Uh,
1: sure. Uh, so, L'chaim.
0: L'chaim. Hey, everyone. Thank you for making it to the
1: end of our video. We hope you liked what you saw. If you did, hit the like button. And don't forget to leave a comment either. If you have any questions, don't be afraid to ask. We'll address what we can, and we may even do a video. If you'd like to see more of this kind of content, please subscribe and hit that bell. L'chaim.
0: L'chaim.